Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 66. This week, we talk with Jenny Cahey about developing for Windows 10, high-resolution bacon for Windows Insiders, and the free screen recorder hidden in Windows 10. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. This week, we have Ginny Cahey. She's a Windows Platform Development MVP. She's president of Carolina Software, and she's creating enterprise software for the solid waste industry, and she builds consumer apps for fun. How's it going, Ginny? Going great. Thanks for inviting me to join you. Yeah, yeah. I would love having you on. We, uh, you, you pretty much dominate my, my Twitter stream. You're like half the information on everything about the world that I get. So, oh, that's um, awesome. <laughs> so, glad to so hear I wanted, that. yeah, so I wanted to make sure that we had you on cause, uh, I'm sure you have tons of useful information. So, um, great to have you on. And then of course we have the wonderful Carl. How's it going, Carl? Pretty good. And, uh, we, we have some pretty exciting news, uh, about those of you who will be attending that conference. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're, we're going to be doing some live recording there. And if you would like uh, to and possibly end up on the show, uh, come check us out. And uh, we should be pretty prominent, as we generally are. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we have some fun things to give away, too. So if you're at that conference, come find m- myself or Jason. Which conference? That conference. Oh, I've heard <laughs> of that conference. Excellent. Excellent. Are you going to be there or not? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh, darn. I know it was uh, fun. Yeah. So we, we will probably be set up at a table, like in the main hallway. And we're going to be doing some recording there. We want to talk to people about the projects that they have. So if you're working on something interesting and you're going to that conference, definitely come up to us and talk about it. And if you know somebody uh, who is working on something interesting, but is a little bit shy, point them in our direction too. Yeah, absolutely. So Carl, Windows 10 was this week. So did you uh, did you hear what uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger said whenever he was asked if he's upgrading to Windows 10? No, I did not. He said, uh, I still love Vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to tell that on here. Anyway, let's get let's get the user feedback. Yes, uh, this week uh, the winner of the Infragistics Ultimate License for feedback is Lefty Coder from his review he left on iTunes. Yep. Uh, he gave us five stars and said, "This has become one of my favorite Microsoft developer podcasts. Great sound quality, great topics, and great guests. Plus, they ask the right questions of the guests during the interview. I look forward to the new show each week." Yeah, excellent. And this was it was a month ago that he posted this. Uh, we do check iTunes less frequently, but we also love those iTunes reviews. So um, even though it was a month old, we wanted to mention it. And if you did make a comment on the show, uh, just sit tight because we do read all of those and consider all of those for mentioning on the show. And uh, if you want to get mentioned on the show, send an email to feedback at msdevshow.com or comment uh, pretty much anywhere. And we see it. Facebook, iTunes, wherever. Yeah, we're pretty vain. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just omnipresent. Okay, so let's get to the news. So like I mentioned, Windows 10 has launched and I cannot believe the buzz about this. This is I don't know what's going on, but it's just like absolutely insane. Like everybody, everybody is just freaking out about this. They're just everybody loves it. Yeah. And and one of the biggest things is uh, during the initial first 24 hours, there were there were periods where they were streaming 10 terabytes a second. (laughs) Just just imagine how many floppy disks that is. Yeah, that's. (laughs) <laughs> that's like, that's a lot. It would take a lot of uh, trucks full of floppy disks. And uh, I think the number was 14 million Windows 10 installs in the first 24 hours. And somebody on Twitter made the comment that if 
If that kept up for 99 days, that would cover pretty much every PC in the world. And I did the math and it checks out that's about 1.4 billion PCs. Um, so that is that just shows the the rate. And then people were asking questions, you know, like, has this has this passed up, you know, OS 10 yet? I, I don't know what the numbers are on OS 10, but, you yeah. know, probably just a few days and it'll end up passing up uh, OS 10, which really just shows the massive, massive scale there. And, and another thing to, to remember is Microsoft is holding back. Not everybody can actually get uh activated right now so yeah my pc so you know i've I've had it for a while but my my desktop pc um whenever i click the little get windows 10 thing and i'm gonna check it again yeah thank you for reserving your free upgrade so it it still like isn't telling me that i can install it so i don't know when that's gonna pop up on my desktop they said it could take several weeks for people who want to do it who reserve their copy now um on my desktop it did not tell me that i had that available i i have an msdn license i went and did it manually Mm. My Surface, though, however, did get that right away, but that one was on the Windows Insider program, and everybody who was uh, registered with that program should have uh, gotten uh, told that they could upgrade it um, on the device that they actually did their testing with. Okay, perfect. And then even uh, John C. Dvorak, who, you know, he's like, um, uh, he's like, what, grumpy Smurf? Like, he doesn't <laughs> like anything, and he actually said he loves Windows 10. I saw that, and I'm like, is this, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> that was crazy. He shocked the world with that statement, I think. Yeah, I know. Like he hates the, he's like, I hate the cloud. And uh, what was the, uh, what was the, all the, the internet of things, you know, it's like, oh, I hate the internet of things. And like, you know, he hates everything, but Windows 10, he loves. So uh, that's, that's pretty exciting. I mean, if you can win over a guy like that. That's a huge win. Huge. Yeah. Uh, Anything else as it relates to Windows 10, any other Windows 10 comments? So one of the cool things, if you're an app developer and you want to, or you generally sell your app, uh, one of the things that has been missing in the past is you might want to give it away for free to like certain individuals. Mm-hmm. You might want to, you know, not let it be free for everybody, but just give it to, you know, a certain chunk of your user base. Like well, me. Or or maybe you have some beta users that you want to reward them with the, the full features of your app or unlock all of that. What you can do now is you can actually generate promotional codes in the new developer portal. Oh, that's really cool. Um, there, there are some restrictions, so you can't just like go do it willy nilly. Um, but you get the traditional, um, you know, five by five random letter um, thing. And they also have a, a URL. So if you take that pattern for the URL and you put the code at the end, you can actually give your users a nice little link just to tap on. And then they can redeem that from that uh, that URL. OK, that's pretty cool. It would be a great way to get your app out there in front of reviewers, too you know, send them a link so they don't have oh, to pay for point. it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Or that if you're running a podcast and, and wanted to give away software. <laughs> How about that? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Great idea. Yeah. So what else is in windows 10, Carl? Well, that that's in the developer pro, uh, uh, portal. Um, okay. An, another, another new feature that's coming to windows 10 mobile. So this isn't out yet. So this is on the mobile version. Okay. Um, you no longer have to provide your own prompt for access to location. Um, in, in the past in, in windows seven and in windows phone eight, if you just tried using the location APIs without doing that, it would, it would die hard. Uh, now okay. there's a, now there's a, a prompt that the OS provides that allows access to the location and then it makes it a little bit more graceful. Okay. Yeah. This is way better. It's less confusing to, to the users too. If they see yeah. a standard yeah. dialogue. Yeah, Exactly. But I, I always, there's so many apps that I just don't want. It's amazing how many request my location. Like if, if you don't absolutely need it, I'm not going to give you access to my location. 
Yeah. And having a standard dialogue, like you said, Jenny, is really important. I, I have an application that's uh, based on needing the uh, GPS. And, uh, you know, I felt uncomfortable putting my own UI up there just because some people are going to see that. And it's obvious that that didn't come from Microsoft. Right. So, sure. and, you know, the text, the language, they just, you know, you know, it's not that I did a bad job. It's just that it is different than every other one out there. So as a developer, I like this. Um, and there is a new API behind it. So you can, as a developer, call it as you need to. It's uh, geolocator.requestaccessasync. Perfect. Pretty easy. Yep. Uh, and then Windows 10 has a hidden screen recorder built in for free. You want to talk about this, Carl? Yeah. So um, if you hold the, the Windows key and G, it brings up a toolbar that uh, you could uh, take an image in. But uh, uh, that'll also record a video uh, just like uh, the Xbox when you also, say like yeah, Xbox record like the that. Same recorder. Yeah. So so it's the same style recorder since that functionality, you know, Xbox is is going to be brought into the windows 10 core. All of these features are being made standard. Uh, one of the cool. things that, yeah. And, and this, you know, just stepping back a little bit, you know, you look at some of the things that are in Xbox that could possibly come to all the rest of the platforms is, is a lot like when windows phone and big windows merged, you know, you could see mm -hmm. a lot of what was going to come to those platforms by what were the individual things that one had that the other didn't. Yeah. So this is one of those things that I think a lot of people are going to um, uh, be really excited about because I know, my oldest son just this week asked if I could put some video recording or desktop recording software on his computer so he could uh, record games so he could post them on YouTube. Yeah, he got so that. I know. <laughs> that, that could that, be really they, I know that. Yeah, I know they were talking and, and my son, he ended up buying some capture software. And for something like that, where he's actually being creative, I always pay for half of it. So, um, yeah, this is this is cool because had I guess had he just waited a couple of weeks. He could have used this to record his uh, his games. So this is really cool. This is built in by default. I can see an enterprise play for that as well. I oh, have absolutely. All over the U.S. and Canada. And sometimes when they're talking to our tech support people, they're good at mm -hmm. explaining what they did to make a certain event happen. But often it's not. They aren't. And if they could just show us, run a video, then we can give them help right away. I'd love to see that in wide usage. Well, yeah, especially if you just do like Windows key G and it pops up. I mean, that's pretty easy to explain to somebody. Exactly right. Yeah. Very cool. So I think that's it for Windows 10, right, Carl? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about Office and Google adding support for Google Drive to Microsoft Office. Yeah. So uh, before, if you had Office and you wanted to save your files into Google Drive, you had to either use the web uploader or find some other third party way of doing it. But now Google is releasing a Google Drive plugin that, uh, directly from office you can save into google drive yeah well cool i guess there's probably not much more to say about that right no but i i do know that uh, google does have a lot of people um using google drive for their document storage mm -hmm. uh so it is important to have although um it won't install yet on the preview for office 2016 it, okay that part isn't complete yet but all all uh existing uh versions of office it supports currently okay very cool. I mean, that just makes it more convenient if you are using Google Drive. So that's pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. Um, fun wallpaper shaped surprise for Windows insiders. Yeah. So about, uh, I guess now it was about 10 days ago. Uh, uh, was it uh, Gabe All announced as we were waiting for Windows 10, uh, a bunch of new wallpapers. So we're familiar with the Ninja Cat on a unicorn. Mm -hmm. And they also released a, a Ninja Cat on a T-Rex and a Ninja Cat on a Narwhal 
that had bacon on its tusks. <laughs> um, nice. So you can just so, go and download these from the post, it looks like. Yeah, you can download those from the post. And then also the other cool thing that they have is down at the bottom, we'll have another link uh, to it directly on our site as well, but they have a do-it-yourself kit. So this is all the assets for the narwhal, the T-Rex, the, <laughs> the unicorn, all the various kittens, the ninja cats that are on there, even the bacon. They, they supply all individual high-resolution files so you can mix and match yourself. And, and I will say that uh, at work, we had a little bit of fun with this. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. High-resolution <laughs> uh, bacon assets. That's, that's what we need. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see here. The seven rules of a great Git commit message. So um, I had tweeted about this. And actually, uh, I changed the title and it got a little bit more traction because the, the title of the article is actually how to write a, a, a Git commit message. And um, it starts out by sort of showing the XKCD um, comic where he jokes about this, where people start out sort of writing good commit messages and then they keep getting worse and worse. And uh, so he has seven different rules in here. And I guess they're real short. So I'll run through them real quick. Number one, separate subject from body with a blank line. Number two, limit the subject line to 50 characters. Um, Number three, capitalize the subject line. Number four, do not end the subject line with a period. That one I always struggle with, like if it's like a sentence or not. Number five, use the imperative mood in the subject line. Number six, wrap the body at 72 characters. Number seven, use the body to explain what and why versus how. Um, so yeah, this is useful, especially, I mean, if, if you're just, if it's like your GitHub repo and nobody ever looks at it, um, then it probably doesn't matter. But if you're working on a team and especially as, as you get more members of the team, this, this becomes useful, um, being able to actually read what the changes were and that way you know what to pull in and things like that. I don't know if there's any other comments on here. I guess the, the no. main theme is like write good messages in your commit commit or your git commits. Yeah, I think the 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 two that I really took the most out of those um, versus all, all out of all of them were number five, where is use the imperative mood in the subject mm-hmm. line, and that and that really kind of one is something that we're not used to doing. Most people don't write in imperative sentences. And two, when you do do that, it makes it a lot more clear of what everything it. Uh, what that entire change set is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of that too is if you realize that when you're trying to write an imperative statement for your, for your check-ins, if you can't really make an imperative statement, you're not, you might be trying to check in too many features in at once. You should probably chunk them up a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really got pulled a lot out of that one. And the other one is um, I, I, I generally am kind of lazy and don't fill out the body. I just, use the subject but yeah, when it, it says for the body you know use it to explain what versus why and how um usually the why is covered in some other kind of documentation you know the if you were doing something professionally and there's some sort of spec that you know that'll contain the why and the code itself is the how so right. don't just you know re recap what you did in code in in plain english exactly okay uh is that all we have for news Let's talk to Ginny then. So Ginny, tell us a yeah. little bit about your background. So what, uh, yeah, how did, how'd you get where you got, where you're at, where you're at right now? <laughs> well, that's a very, very long story. Uh, okay. I started work writing software for a phone company, as a matter of fact. Okay. But it was before phones were mobile at all, certainly before computers were mobile, and I was writing in assembler language for a mainframe business applications. Oh boy! So, so was it was it like critical to the to the phone infrastructure, or was it sort of um, secondary type things for for running the business? It was critical in the sense of providing revenue 
It was part okay. of the, their billing situation. So it's, ah, okay. It was, it was a good business beginning as well as a, an, an interesting look at getting into computers pretty much from the ground up. I mean, I didn't right. meet Greg Hopper or anything along the way. But <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. So it's kind of yeah. interesting to see how things have come. Then I, I retired for a few years to have children. And when I started back, Bill Gates and PCs were all the rage. So I jumped in with that. And when I started working again, I was replacing mainframe a- applications with early PC applications in the enterprise. Okay. So I understand about coming in through the back door. And that's mm-hmm. very much where we are again with Windows 10 now and Windows Store, you can get into the back door now. You have ways of making your applications available that don't necessarily have to be approved by management. Management can lock down store if they have a reason to do so, but it gives you an opportunity to be visible. So I've just sort of loved being through all aspects of the industry during the time I've been doing it. Well, yeah, starting with assembly too, that's pretty, that's pretty hardcore. Well, you know, you get good at it and then it's boring. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably should not should not tell you that I that I got so bored that I started writing self-modifying code at one time. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> that's <laughs> always a good idea. The, yeah, not the night <laughs> for the person who came after me. So I did a lot of things wrong. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so moving forward to, towards today, what kind of apps do you focus on now and what kind of platforms do you target since you do have a little bit more of a varied background? Well, on the enterprise side, we do solid waste software. So we have Windows, Win32 desktop client applications. There's a server piece that syncs various servers that are geographically dispersed when communications are available. So that's just a server piece. There is an unattended piece that works without human interaction and works with electronic scales and gates and lights and so on. Um, And then there is a mobile piece, which I'm still maintaining, now using Windows Mobile 6.5, can you imagine that, oh, on <laughs> industrially hardened devices. And I was so thrilled to see a new Dell device that was announced recently running Windows 10, a laptop running Windows 10 that's hardened for an outdoor environment. So that allows me to look at providing the same kinds of functionality for point of sale in an enterprise scenario that I wasn't able to do before. Not either. Is it a laptop or is it a tablet? It's a tablet. It looks like okay. it's about a seven or eight inch tablet, but it okay. runs. It's uh, got an Intel chip. It runs real Windows. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's uh, 32 bit. I haven't really investigated it further. But the price point is about where we're what we're paying for the Motorola devices that we're using currently. So okay, and that's yeah, a lot of the when you deploy yeah, a lot of the of yeah a lot of the companies I've worked with they the the lowering cost of devices is really fueling that shift now. You know, you have these like $5,000 PCs sitting somewhere and and now you come to them and it's like, you know, for a thousand bucks or maybe even less than that, you could get these. And even if something goes wrong, you can just keep replacing these things. And it's far cheaper than than what you guys are doing today. And uh, and a lot of companies are are lured in by that. So true. But, you know, there's another thing. Uh, iPads have actually done us all an enormous favor mm-hmm. in my segment of the industry. Uh all of my customers are very much in the Microsoft stack of, of technology, mm-hmm. and they would not have any interest in an iPad. But seeing iPads out in the world, people now have the acceptance that it's okay yep. to have a fragile device. Yeah, it and gives it, them that vision. It, it does, whereas mm-hmm. before it had to be a 
$1,200 industrially hardened device or they would consider it a toy and not worthy of their work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So did, did we, did we fully cover that thing, Carl, the different platforms? So you do, cause I know you do like windows, you do windows phone. Um, do. do you do anything with the iPad or is that you don't do anything on any of the other platforms? I, I do not. Although I must say that my uh, password application that I have on windows store and windows phone, I mm-hmm. do get customer emails saying, would you please do this on Android? And less frequently, would you please do this for, for iPhone? And okay. so far I've just told them, no, I'm not going to do that now, but I'll keep an open mind. Okay. They so basically I'm work, work with every flavor of windows from, like you said, I do. mobile six, five to, uh, you know, win 32 to, you know, recent mobile right. apps. Okay. Very cool. And SQL server, the whole bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then I mentioned earlier, like, you know, I, I see a, a lot of just amazing information from you out on Twitter. And I was curious what, what motivates you to be such a strong public advocate of windows, you know, even with like windows 10 coming out, you're out there and I know you're retweeting and like putting news articles out there, you know, so like what motivates you to do that? Well, I'll try to give you the, the politically correct answer and then I'll give you the honest answer. <laughs> yeah. And this show, we, we don't like the politi- <laughs> okay. politically correct answer. <laughs> uh, the politically correct answer is, um, that Windows has been very good to me. Microsoft yeah. has been very good to me. It's allowed me to have a business. It's okay. allowed me to, to start in an industry after having four kids to jump right back into it out of my house initially. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And yeah. so I'm, I'm repaying that. So there is the altruistic, uh, yeah. oh, um, I'm just so grateful. But um, just among us, the real reason is I think <laughs> it's enormous fun. I do it yeah. because it pleases me. I just, yeah, no, I really enjoy it. That's such a good point because I, you know, whenever the, the iPhone and the iPad started getting popular, there were so many people, I'm sure, like myself, that were like, okay, I want to start writing software on here. And then and then you start doing it and you're like, oh, this is just this is just terrible. This isn't what I know. It doesn't work like it should. The tools are just terrible. Um, so it sounds like you just like the 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 Microsoft way of of designing things and the tooling around that and and that just that whole environment. I really do. I feel comfortable with it too. Uh, I have opportunity to have a free license of Xamarin, which a lot of people would kill to get because it's such a valuable package. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, you know, I should really look at porting the password application to Xamarin so I can go cross-platform. And the very first thing it wanted to do was install Java, which, of course, you need if you're going to be writing Android applications. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going, whoa, I'm not putting Java on my production PC. Are you kidding <laughs> Oh, it gets, it a- gets worse than that. Whenever you install Xamarin and, and, you know, I love Xamarin, so it's definitely not against Xamarin. It's really against Android. It goes like, which versions do you want to target? And, and I don't know what the heck they're on. It's like 30 different variants of, of Android. And then it's like installing one of six, you know, I don't know. I don't, I under, I don't understand it, but there's, there's just a ton of, there's a, there's a lot of baggage that comes along with, with doing that development from, from what I've seen. Well, there's a support baggage, too. I cannot imagine trying to provide tech support on an application that's running on so many different platforms. Yeah. I was trying to do tech support earlier today. I got an email from a, a user who wanted to know, does my application run on Windows 10? They wanted to make sure before they upgraded to Windows 10 oh, they yeah. to use it. And I asked them, which Windows version are they on now, 8 or 8.1? Because something they said led me to believe they were on an old version of Windows. Well, they didn't know. They really didn't know if they were on 8 or 8.1, but they wanted Windows 10. I mean, I yeah. like that way of thinking. And I'm going to love having all my users or most of my users all on the same version for a while. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
So you're a Windows platform MVP, but before that, you were in the Windows Phone MVP group. They have, they got merged for those of you who aren't aware of that. So you know, having that strong Windows Phone, um, you know, background. What do you think of the naming of Windows Phone versus Windows Mobile? I just just in, interested in hearing your opinion on that. Oh, that's funny. Well, Windows Mobile <laughs> to me uh, still means all Windows Mobile based on Windows right. CE. Because uh, the first MVP designation I was was embedded MVP. And I was doing C++ using the uh, visual tools for C++ for CE2 and then CE3 and so on. So I think of Windows Mobile as those old-style devices. But then a lot of people always thought of Windows Phones as Windows Mobile. You'll even see that in the press. So Windows Phone 7, they wanted to call it Windows Mobile. Then people on the street, they would say, oh, that's one of those phones that runs Windows, right? So I think probably the best way to call the mobile devices that run Windows 10 going forward is just Windows. Just keep it simple, Windows. Right, right. Yeah, because it's it's just it's so blurry now. Like what what it actually it means. So, yeah, absolutely. Very true. So so what so what makes you so interested in the, is what's funny is I'm going to say in mobile development. Um, but I guess what makes you so interested in I guess Windows development then? <laughs> well, I, I can answer the mobile one probably more easily, and that's, yeah, because um, that, that's kind of what that's kind of yeah. what we're getting at. Because I know I know historically you've been it seems like you've been all about mobile applications, things that you would run on a phone for the most part. I have. And it's vanity, pure and simple yeah. vanity. I like to be able to carry my applications with me and to be able to pull it out <laughs> of my handbag and say, look what I built. That Not that cool. most of the people I'm likely to encounter are all that interested in an application for charging at a garbage dump for stuff that's being brought in. But say, look at this. Isn't this great? Yeah. So, Very cool. I mean, that's the fun thing of, of a mobile platform. You get to mm-hmm. show off. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. So what does mobile development look like nowadays in the age of with these new universal style apps that really are getting to be closer to absolutely universal right once? Well, the first thing I would say to put it right out there is it doesn't have to look any different than it did a week ago or a month ago or a year ago, Mm -hmm. because the old applications, they still run, they still work. So just there's no urgency to change. But there are certainly some benefits to moving to the new way of building applications using the universal Windows platform approach to building a single application, perhaps with different heads that can run on various devices. It makes it a lot easier to maintain the code. But you don't have to do it that way. It just, it depends. I saw uh, one example from uh, the Twidium author showing his structure where he's got all of the different platforms he supports in a single Visual Studio solution. He's got shared code. He's got shared C++ code. He's got different user interface code for all of the different platforms that he supports. And that's what works for him and his application. But I'm taking a different approach because I'm hoping to be able to stop support a Windows Phone 8 at some point, and I've already abandoned support of Windows Phone 7, I'm mm-hmm. keeping all of the legacy code in a totally separate solution. I reference it and I go back and forth to it, but I'm starting fresh with uh, UWP development for Windows 10. I'm reworking the UX to take advantage 
of the strengths and weaknesses of both Windows Phone and Windows 8.1 and trying to blend them. And also okay. trying to take advantage of the experience I've gained from my user emails and ratings over the last number of years when I've had the application out in the public. What things are hard for real users to understand? I had to explain to someone yesterday that the save button is the one that looks like an old diskette inside a circle. He had no idea. That's yeah, what you a, have to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Things, things that seem so obvious. So now that I'm redoing it, I'm able to to take a fresh look at all of those things and make it more usable and with any luck and maybe some help from a designer actually make it attractive too. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second and I want to talk about infragistics. Yeah, if you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, They have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. Charting, gauges, barcodes, it's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio, too. It lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and, you know, sell your ideas. Yeah, what I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to to go and use these controls in every type of app all under one ultimate license is is really big plus. If we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos. So you can try it out for a month, download the demos and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. So our new feature is only going to go into your Windows 10 apps. Are you going to add those also in your Windows 8 apps, or is it you know somewhere in between where you might backport it? Yeah, I'm really not. I'm going I'm okay. to cut off new features. I do yeah. have a, a commitment that I've made to myself that I will make the data compatible. Because my application stores data on OneDrive that can be retrieved later and decrypted. It's encrypted on OneDrive and decrypted. And I don't want to leave any of my users hanging with their data that they can never get back out. So if I I have to go back and and do something in an earlier version for data compatibility, I will do that. But I don't currently have any plans otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, because it's probably, you're right, it's probably a a terrible assumption to assume that Everybody either has like all 8.1 or all Windows 10 machines. I mean, they could like I have a mix, you know, I just right now I still have a mix. It's going to be a while before all of them are completely updated. Oh, sure. And and there are people all over the world, particularly on the phone platform, where they would love to update and they can't. Their carriers aren't providing them Mm, the ability to upgrade or they have a financial obstacle that they can't go out and just buy a new phone. Me, I've got a drawer full, but but I'm not the (laughs) typical user of applications. And I have you're to like on a, you're, you're sitting on like a throne of like old phones that it's about uh, them. <laughs> you wouldn't fully so you and you and Carl have a lot in common then <laughs> uh, uh, okay so you, oh go ahead I was gonna ask Carl if he's a pack rat too I just can't bear to throw this stuff away 
Oh, he like froze up. You still there, Carl? I think I shocked him. Yeah, well, I'll take the heat okay. all by myself. I just simply cannot throw away old computers. I've had yeah. drawers full of old ThinkPads going back to the Vista era. I've been putting Windows Insider builds of Windows 10 on. They run better than ever. It's absolutely amazing. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I keep all that old stuff around. I try the I try to sell the stuff and then justify buying new things and um you know I get I get pennies on the dollar for the old stuff and then still buy the expensive new stuff. So oh, yeah. I don't yeah you may not have heard this but Windows 10 mobile or you know Windows 10 phone whatever we want to call it is you know it's a it they're they're in third place right it's a small it's a far smaller share than than iOS and Android. Um so I'm wondering like from your perspective if that matters it like does that really affect what you do? Actually, it does, but not in the way most people think. It's an enormous advantage to the developer to have a small platform with a relatively small number of developers that are targeting it. You can get so much better coverage, more downloads. I was at a local meetup where a presentation was being done by a local startup, and they had this coolest application. It did some very clever machine learning that sampled beer, of all things, And put it through a machine and they tried to figure out what beers to recommend to you based on what beers you had had before, based on the chemical properties of the beers. Well, I don't know if that's a valid approach, but they had gotten venture capital money (laughs) invested. So they had this fantastic application that they had built on the server side and then the electronic equipment hooking up to the analyzing equipment. And then they had applications that were free. On mm-hmm. only two platforms, iOS and Android. They didn't have it on Windows Phone at all. So I asked the presenter when it came to the question time, well, have you considered putting your application on Windows Phone? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a platform to, oh, no, they said. Nobody's using Windows Phone. All right. Then someone, someone else asked them, well, how many downloads do you have? They'd had this these applications out in the stores for over six months. They'd even gotten featured once in one of the stores. And they proudly said the number of downloads that they have across mm-hmm. these two platforms. And I thought it would probably be rude for me to tell them that I had more applications than that of my password application on Windows and Windows Phone. Yeah. So I didn't tell them, but I just said, nicely, <laughs> you know, it's a free application and you need to train your machine learning system. Just really, really think about doing that. You're cutting yourself out of opportunity yeah. because they couldn't get the visibility. And so it's an right. enormous advantage to a developer to have a small platform. But I think this is not going to last very long because with 14 million updates to mm-hmm. Windows 10 and the first day alone, mm-hmm. I'm already wondering, what is it going to be like for me doing tech support for 14 million new users of my application? How am I going <laughs> to handle that? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, is, that's a good point. an explosion. We are on the cusp of something enormous. Yeah. And if you can just get, you know, I, I think the making it a lot easier to, to use those, those mobile apps without even really thinking about it, like, you know, it's kind of like when, when WPF came out, people started eventually writing for WPF. I, the, the UWP apps, they sort of just feel like just the, the next thing, you know, and from the user's perspective, they don't have to think of it as anything different. That was the issue in Windows 8 is they, they had to think of it as something different. And now, oh, um, yeah, now it's only, there's only an upside, right? It's like, oh, well, I can get updates automatically and, 
Like I can just go out to the store and I can get it more easily. Um, I, I think that's I think that's really going to help. And yeah, hopefully that translates over to the the mobile side as well uh, with the same well, apps. And yeah, go ahead. One of the one of the surprise things uh, when I first saw the new start screen for Windows mm-hmm. 10 was yeah. Oh, I love this. I love this. It's a little Windows phone that we're showing all of the mm-hmm. billions of people who are going to be running Windows 10. Every time yeah. they hit the start button, they're seeing a little Windows phone, and they're going to go into Best oh, Buy or Carrier Store, <laughs> and they're going to say, oh, yes, I know how to use that now. Yeah, that's or my it, start it, screen in my pocket. Exactly or right. My start, exactly or my start right. menu, like, yeah. Oh, oh, wow, that's that awesome. That's brilliant. I don't, I don't know whose idea that was at Microsoft, but I hope they got a raise. <laughs> that's just fantastic. <laughs> that's Love an it. awesome Love way it. of looking at it. I had never looked at it that way. Oh, that yeah. is that is genius. Like we can just end the episode now. <laughs> and then what about, so my only other question or uh, regarding that is, is like the, the platform itself I know has changed a few times and, and me as a developer, it's kind of a, it's just a pain whenever you say like, Oh, you know, you got to go in these APIs of change and things like that. So I'm just kind of wondering like, you know, being, being a, a survivor of those changes, like what, um, you know, is, is that, what are your thoughts on that? Does it feel like um, um, like they don't care or or like well, how, how do you interpret that and, and, and how do you cope with that? Well, uh, a couple of things. I cope with it because I enjoy it. I mean, I yeah. do this for fun. I've yeah. got code that's 20 years old. I'm still maintaining on the enterprise side. That's what I do when I want the same old, yeah. same old. It's boring as all get out. But the other <laughs> thing is I always had the feeling that the new stuff was unfinished. And getting documentation was really, really difficult. And getting code samples that would even compile was like pulling teeth. Yeah. And now already, already the, the very same day that Windows 10 is released, not only is Visual Studio with Windows 10 tools already available and free for download for anybody who wants them, but samples updated for Windows 10 release are available on GitHub. And you can look at them using Visual Studio already. It's right yeah. there. It's just, it's night and day difference. So learning the new stuff, and let me be the first to admit, I do not know all the new stuff at all. I am just scratching the surface of all of the new features, but it's so much easier now because the samples are there. Jerry Nixon and Andy Wigley are doing yet another fabulous series of training. I think it's next week they're going to be doing that or week after next. So lots and lots of opportunities for learning the new things that were not there when I went through the pain of Windows Phone 7. I got to tell you, learning that was, it was pretty hard. Yeah. But it's gotten easier and easier with each version. And 10 yeah. is just finally doing it really, really well. Okay, cool. And and I, I think one thing I'd like to add to that, too, is that even before um, uh, Windows 10 came out, um, they had that code out on GitHub and people at Microsoft have been much more accessible than they have in the past. I've been able to go to some of the people I know, like Arun, who was on our show before and a few other people mm-hmm. and ask them questions for some of the stuff that I, that I'm working on using the preview SDKs and getting, I mean, some of these people have been giving me response within minutes. I mean, oh, it, it's yeah. really been an amazing experience. I agree. I agree that the support has been tremendous and it's it's not just you and me, Carl, because of back channels that we have. But people can just ask on Twitter, and somebody like Arun will see it and pick it up and answer a question. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I think there's been a culture change. I think that people are are not afraid to do that. You know, everybody everybody wants to do the right thing now, which is great. 
Very true. What has you excited uh, about the future of, of mobile in Windows? Oh, Continuum. I think Continuum is going to be enormous. Of course, yeah. I have the sense of Continuum already because I've used Surface Pro since it first came out. And my Surface Pro 3 is still my main development device. So I flip it, flip the keyboard back, and it's a tablet. I flip the keyboard out, and it's a desktop machine. I'm using it right now with a dock, external monitors, a headset to do this podcast with you. I mean, it's a full desktop machine until I take it home and I sit in my lap and I prop up my feet and I'm watching videos on TV and also looking through the Twitter stream. So. Mm -hmm. I understand Continuum, but when you add to that the ability to take a phone-type device, like my Lumia 1520, suppose that was the only device I ever had to carry around with me, and I could count on the hotel or wherever I was staying having a TV that supported Miracast and a a Bluetooth keyboard, and hey, there I am. And if, if I could RDP into my desktop machine... I've even got Visual Studio tools. I wouldn't have to carry a big computer or a traditional computer around at all. I think that's huge. And it won't all happen when the first hardware that supports Continuum on phones comes out on day one. It's going to be a process because it's going to take time to make it so smooth that everything just connects to everything else. But I really do see that as the future. And that's the main reason I want to redesign the user interface for my password application, because that's the very type of application people will want to use in that scenario. Okay. And I want to help our listeners under understand Continuum as well, because I, I think you covered it good on the phone side. On the on the Surface Pro 3, the experience that you end up getting, like you mentioned, is if you if you have the keyboard on, it works just like a regular laptop. You get a regular start menu and um, you know, everything works like it does, you know, like I said, on a regular laptop. Whenever you disconnect the keyboard, it will pop up and it'll say, do you want to enter tablet mode? I actually told it like, hey, just stop asking me because, yes, I don't have a keyboard, so I want everything to be full screen. And then it switches in that tablet mode and you get the start screen back and and everything just sort of works like it like it should. Um, And yeah, I I think that's that's huge because that really I mean, the Surface Pro 3 now has turned into a big business. I can't remember what the numbers were. It's like a four billion dollar year business. Is that right, Carl? We had talked about it on one. Yeah, episode. yeah, they had. Yeah, the last quarter was just under a billion, and the previous one was over. So yeah, if that it's, keeps yeah, up, it's a couple, it's, it's around yeah. four billion. Yeah, so it's a, it's becoming huge business. So the device has sort of proven itself, and having the the software support um, for for switching sort of how you use it is is really incredible. And then the the phone scenario. I know, Jenny, we you you weren't on you know other episodes where we've talked about this, but I mean, the only concern that I have is is actually counting on being able to use it where I go that now, if you have a controlled environment like your house and maybe your, your job um, or, you know, if your work has, you know, like, I don't know if Microsoft is going to do this, but I could envision uh, Microsoft it doing this where I can count on every, every conference room supporting this. So like if I want to do like a PowerPoint presentation or something, I just walk in and uh, boom, my phone basically turns into a desktop machine where I can use it in that conference room. But um, you know, so I don't, I don't know what scenarios you had in mind other than the hotel room, because I am concerned, like, our te- our hotel room's actually going to supply that. Can you count on it? Um, I'm just curious if you if you have more hope than I do. <laughs> well, actually, actually, I do. I've, I've been in hotel rooms that already had Bluetooth keyboards because they were expecting people with other types of devices to want a Bluetooth keyboard. Really? It's not the rule. Not all hotels do it, but some do. Yeah. 
And, okay. and for a, a hotel chain that builds itself as a business hotel, I think it's something that for a very small investment on their side, they could advertise something that's going to appeal to business travelers in a big way. Okay. Yeah, and I suppose Windows Windows is big enough or, you know, I think if Windows is big enough, then, you know, Windows Phone will start picking up and then you could just have a lot of travelers requesting it. So I guess once the, the Windows Phone devices come out that have Continuum, whenever you go get a hotel, they ask you, there's like, you know, additional requests. I guess I would urge everybody just in there say like, hey, please support Continuum. Maybe you have like a link to it or something. Just like uh, to give yeah, them that, that, give that idea. Sure. <laughs> let's, let's start a movement there. But even so, if you didn't, even if the hotel didn't have it, to be able yeah. to have those those kinds of peripherals, you can put that on checked luggage and let the airlines do their worst on it, and it's not going to hurt it. You don't have to yeah. baby it like you do your laptop that you travel with now. Yep, yep. So you mentioned that you know you liked learning, and that's what had you interested in you know kind of learning the new Windows 10 Universal app model. Is there anything else about this new style of development that has you just really enthusiastic? Well, I think the intellectual challenge is probably the big thing for me. The design challenge, trying to figure out what is the best way to do it. It's it's not coming easily to me. What is the best way to organize data? So it can move and rearrange itself in a responsive UI sort of way. But the tools are there. And I'm just thrilled to see the tools are so well fleshed out. The new controls for Windows 10, the new XAML controls, make it so much easier to pick and choose. I'll take one of these, one of that, put it together. I write software um, kind of like I I might cook a meal. Some people, they want to go to the store and buy a bunch of stuff and advise in advance and then they they put together a feast i might do that for a holiday but ordinarily when i get home from work i'm tired i just look in the refrigerator and i say what's there let me see what i can do with what's there well with all of the cool. tools that are yeah with all of the tools that are now in visual studio the xaml controls that come with the windows 10 sdk it's sort of like having whole foods is inside your refrigerator yeah. So now you're, you're spoiled for choice and you can really do anything you want. You want C++, you want to use DX12 for maximum speed, go for it. You want to do something really simple using App Studio, just put together a little RSS reader to share, go for it. They've already got a Windows 10 capable version and everything in between. So I think it's, it's just I wish I had more time to play with all of the different opportunities for building apps. Yeah, there's not enough hours in the day, are there? Never, never. <laughs> okay, so we talked about the good. Let's talk about the bad. So what does what does Microsoft need to do better when it comes to Windows? So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to hit new email. And the two, I got I got Sacha's name in there. So tell me what you want. What, what should we do better? The number one thing Microsoft needs to do that I've seen is somehow get into the universities in a bigger way. I attended a presentation recently at my local university. It was a really interesting discussion of SQL versus NoSQL. And the presenter is actually a specialist in SQL Server. So what's he running? Windows 7. He's, he's got a <laughs> laptop there running Windows 7. Ouch. And then he talks, he talks about cloud platforms, and he mentions cloud platforms from just about every vendor in the world. Except Microsoft, no measure yeah. of, of all the stuff that's available in Azure. S- somehow, that audience needs to see Microsoft offerings as being worthy of their time and interest, worthy of learning about. 
And when the professors don't even mention these products as options, the students don't consider them or follow up on them themselves. So it's just, that's the number one thing I think Microsoft needs to tackle. The technology is there. The technology is coming right. along very nicely. It's a yeah, public no. relations thing. Yeah, you could you couldn't be more more dead on there. I mean, I I tell people, you know, talk to them and they're like, I talk about Azure and then they mention Linux and it's like, oh well, we we support you know most of the major variations of uh, or variants of Linux in Azure and it's like, I still I get this to this day. They're like, really? I have yeah. no idea. They're like, well, that's cool. Or or just different services. They'll talk about AWS. Like, yeah, AWS has this this and this. And it's like Azure has all of that. And in fact, here's why you know. It's, there's, there's, you know, pros and cons, but in many cases, I'm like, here is why the Azure offering is actually better for, for what you're trying to do. And they just, their minds are blown. And, um, you know, I don't know, I can only talk to so many people in a day, <laughs> but exactly, uh, somehow, exactly. somehow that information has to get out there, you know, it really does. And I know Microsoft is trying and it's probably more successful in some geographical areas than others. But uh, it's really important to get the next generation hooked. Minecraft, that, that could be a, a good way to, to get into the, the generation after that. Oh, that get them helps. Started. That helps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. HoloLens. I mean, that's, that's really interesting. That's exciting. I can't wait to try it. Yeah. No, that's a good point. College my, kids my- would love that. Yeah, my, my son, you know, he, he doesn't tell people that I work for Microsoft. He tells them I work for the company that owns Minecraft. Oh, way to go. There you <laughs> that, are. That's what, gets, that's what gets people excited. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned earlier that we're, that you're working on upgrading uh, your application password padlock for Windows 10. Is there anything else uh, phone-related that you're working on or looking into right now? Well, and actually, tell us what that app is. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. I haven't, I haven't seen it, so I'm sorry. I'm sure Carl has it. Okay, well, Password Padlock stores encrypted password data. It okay. started out with Windows Phone 7. It was in the store the very first day that Windows Phone launched. Okay. And at that time, all it did was you put in some password data, and it'll encrypt it with your master password that you make up yourself. And then when you want to see the data, you put in your master password, and it shows you your collection. Well, gradually, I got user feedback, so now it categorizes the data, syncs the data across various devices using OneDrive in the middle, um, can go to websites and copy the password information into the clipboard so you can paste it to log in. Additional features, uh, exporting to text for people who are brave enough to expose their data somewhere in a non-encrypted fashion. So that's that's what that does. And I've gotten... This uh, is cool, Yeah. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of downloads, so obviously it's yeah. pretty popular. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of my my business, Enterprise Software, I'm looking very, very seriously at replacing that old Windows Mobile 6.5 point-of-sale application with something based on Windows 10 technology. And whether that ends up being Windows 10 Mobile specifically running on current-day ARM chips or whether it's going to be Intel-based running what we now think of as desktop Windows 10 on a tablet. Uh, I haven't quite decided, but the pieces are coming into place. With uh, WinRT support of uh, WCF web services, uh, that makes all of that whole business side easier and more attractive than ever. So that's what I'll be doing on the on the work side on the mobile. Okay, cool. Anything else you wanted to ask, Carl? Uh, not that I can think of anymore. Okay. Anything else you wanted to mention, uh, Jenny, before we move on? I uh, can't think of it. I'll probably think of it later. 
No, okay. Otherwise, I'm sure we'll we'll see we'll see it on Twitter either way, and we'll retweet right, it for you. Definitely see it on Twitter. Definitely. <laughs> no, that sounds good. Okay, so let's get into our Azure pick of the week. So I shamelessly picked my own project. Um, I've been working on this all week, um, almost without um, interruption. I've tried to cancel just about every meeting um, and just work on this because we have this big internal hack fest at Microsoft. And this is that's this week where everybody's encouraged to work on something that could change the world or or you know, do something that will help our products or whatever. So uh, what I've, uh, what me and actually a few other people have come up with this is Azure Resource Visualizer, and we'll have a, a link to this in uh, GitHub, but it's actually coming along nicely. And what you can do in, in Azure is there's this concept of the, the Azure Resource Manager, and you can basically take a JSON file that talks, you know, it has a reference or it has um, a declarations in there for what you need as part of your application. So you can say, I need three virtual machines. I need a SQL database. I need a DocDB, whatever. And, uh, and then you can hand that over to Azure and it will stamp one of those out for you. It's pretty cool. The thing is editing thousands of lines of JSON is not fun. Like JSON's fun until you get that many lines of JSON in there. So uh, what I did was I made um, an angular slash TypeScript. Um, so based on actually our last episode, we talked about TypeScript and I was so excited about that. that I actually converted the whole project over to TypeScript. Um, and I love, love, love TypeScript. It's just, it fixes everything that I didn't like about JavaScript. So this whole thing is like exclusively TypeScript now. Um, what it'll do, it runs in your browser. You can open up um, uh, different ARM templates that you created. I can't, you can't upload your own yet. But what you can do is it'll actually pull all the samples from GitHub. So you can go in there and you can pick what you want. It pulls it in and then it actually visualizes it into like a tree structure. So it's basically it looks just like Visio. So your whole architecture is like basically displayed like in this Visio diagram. You can modify it. You can add new components that you can edit the whole thing. You can validate it and then you can um, export that back out to, you know, to that JSON file. And only the things you change will actually be changed in that. So it makes it it's just an awesome editor for these uh, Azure resource uh, manager templates, which is, I think is uh, really cool. I'm just really, really excited about this project. Um, so that's my pick of the week and that's going to, it's out on GitHub. So it's going to continue to evolve and eventually you'll be able to do things like, you know, push a single button and then we can deploy your application, you know, things like that. Um, so just watch that project and, uh, and look for cool things. And like I said, TypeScript is just so fun. Actually having some type information, you can actually build some big JavaScript applications. I don't know. Jenny, do you ever do anything with JavaScript? I avoid it like the plague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have always had a love-hate relationship with JavaScript. And every, pretty much, every, like I said, everything I've hated about JavaScript, you know, like my, my applications, once I have like, you know, 10 different files or so, you know, it just starts to break down because you can no longer count on anything, right? After, after an object has passed through all these different functions, when you get it, you can't make any assumptions about what's there. Whenever you're using TypeScript, it's just like C sharp. Like you can say, listen, this is what I want. Don't send me anything unless it looks like this. And, and you can do that in TypeScript, but then you can also be as dynamic as you want. So it's pretty cool. Um, so I was really, I'm just excited about that because I've been uh, writing code all week. Uh, okay, Carl, what do we got for the app of the week? In uh, honor of Windows 10 coming out, uh, Twitter for Windows 10 uh, released oh, a, a Windows Win, Windows okay. 10 version. Yep. And um, I, I especially picked this too. I we're going to have another link besides the link to the application. Um, Twitter uh, put out this little article blog post on how they designed their new app for Windows 10. And uh, you know, I just thought it was a really nice look in very early into Windows 10 life cycle to see how a major brand 
kind of thought about, you know, how they built their app, not just, you know, from the, you know, how does it look and the colors we picked, but, you know, the design, the experiences that they were trying to get out of. Right. It um, just looks awesome. Yeah. And then uh, the our dev tip of the random interval, I'd like to recommend Microsoft Virtual Academy. Uh, for those of you who are used to Pluralsight or are familiar with that, at least what it is, um, these are a bunch of training videos, um, except uh, they're all focused on Microsoft based technologies. And I'll use that loose loosely. I mean, there's IT stuff, there's stuff for, uh, you know, Windows 10, there's web development. Um, they've got beginner stuff. There's game development, HTML5 courses, database. So, I mean, there's just tons of stuff. And it's all and, free, uh, right? It's it's all free. And in fact, yeah. as you watch them, you earn these these points so you can, you know, uh, earn more points than your friends and coworkers and stuff. Okay. Um, and another thing, too, the, these are by people that we've had on the show, too. So uh, Jerry Nixon has uh, a few courses as well as Jeremy Foster. So uh, just to get you started with people you might already know, we'll have a few links uh, to their Microsoft Virtual Academy courses. And these are pretty extensive, too. They go for. Uh, you know, they have like a, a package where they teach you, uh, like for Jerry's case, this is a developer's guide to Windows 10. It's overall, I don't know exactly, but it's like six to eight hours in that time range. And he's got several chapters that are in nice bite sized chunks. Okay. Very cool. Okay, Jenny, we play a game on here and <laughs> we've actually, we've gotten some feedback. We have, we have some, uh, we have geeky listeners. So, um, I think any other podcast wouldn't, wouldn't get this kind of feedback. Uh, but we, I always ask listeners to, li- to, to pick a number between one and four. And he pointed out that pretty much everybody picks two or three because I don't sure. say that it's inclusive of one and four. So could you pick a number between one and four, one and four inclusive? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to pick one or four. You can still pick two or three. But I just, you know, our listener wanted to point out that you could also pick one or four. <laughs> no OK, pressure. well, I'll, I'll, I'll pick four. That's how many children. Are. Well, you don't have to. You could pick I two like or three. Four. Okay. I like four. <laughs> there was that. Do you think that was better, Carl? Was that more clear? Yeah, <laughs> Carl's like you're. Clear. Carl's like you're getting us in trouble. Okay. <laughs> this don't is a game for the kids. Listeners, Jason. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. No, I love that. Was awesome. Actually, that's pretty awesome. I love. I love those. Those that kind of feedback. That's really cool. Because uh, that's like something I would say. Uh, would you rather run a mile on a six-inch layer of potatoes or? Swim across a lake of maple syrup that is 12 feet deep. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is tough. Gosh. Both of those sound horribly uncomfortable. <laughs> they do. Well, I'm going to think that the maple syrup might be so viscous that I could almost run across it. Mm, I, I wouldn't count know. on that. <laughs> I wouldn't know. But it would be delicious finding out. I guess. <laughs> I could just see your obituary, you know. Drown like you wanted to in, in 12 feet of maple syrup. <laughs> but the potatoes, I don't know. A lake of potatoes. A mile of potatoes. Okay, but you're picking the maple syrup? I'm picking the maple syrup. Okay. <laughs> That's your Got to support answer. people in New York and Vermont. Okay. So, Carl, pick a number between zero and five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pick one. Okay. <laughs> you like that? Uh, okay. Would you rather ride in a tight, small clothes box for w- for a one day plane flight? I think you've already gotten this one. Or ride with pigs in the back of a truck truck for a two day trip. So one day on a plane or two days with pigs. I'd rather be less uh, less comfortable for a shorter period of time. So I'll do the plane trip. Oh, a whole day though. No, I couldn't do that. I'd have That's to two pick days the pig. of pigs. Otherwise, 
Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well. I was thinking airplanes and pigs, you know, not what's the difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point. Good point. Okay. Let's see what else we got. Uh, I guess that's pretty much it. So Ginny, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter just about every day. Okay. My Twitter handle is G-C-A-U-G-H-E-Y. And I imagine you'll have that in the notes. Absolutely. And be sure and follow me. Ask me questions. I try to answer. Uh, if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. Okay. Everybody like really does need to follow you. A lot of people on you. Twitter. Yeah. yeah. You were, to be honest, you were, you were kind of an inspiration for me because you always had like such good information. And I, it was, it was probably like a year ago. I'm like, how is she doing this? Like, I have to know the secret. So her, I, I've seen her at a conference tweet. She is yeah. one of the fastest on, on screen keyboard typists I know. Okay. That's I awesome. make a lot of typos, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not as many as I do. I, I was I was in the same room as you, and I was watching the, your tweet stream go by, and you you could get them out way faster than so I. So Carl's like looking like looking at you, looking at Twitter, looking at you. He's like, <laughs> "How is this happening?" Yeah, <laughs> like one even, of my special, even saw it and didn't understand it. One of my special challenges when I go to Microsoft conferences and they're showing a Twitter stream uh, on the on the big screen behind oh, the presenters yeah. to be sure and tweet something, make sure I show up. Oh, that's the thing with like Windows, like with Windows 8 and 8.1 with the notifications. It's like almost every time, like you see the first one go up there and then everybody just starts bling, 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 oh, yeah. bling, bling. <laughs> see, I always go oh, in yeah. there. You can hide those, you know, tip if you're a presenter, you can go in, you can say hide notifications for X number of hours. Done. Okay. No so, so window, Windows 10 tip. How do you do that in Windows 10? I, I'm serious. I tried doing it yesterday. Oh, there's no hide notifications. I'm not saying there isn't. I, I mean, just block. don't know where it is. Anymore. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. That's a good question. There's a turn on quiet yeah, I, hours. Is that the same thing? Uh, it would. I don't think it is. Does, well, does it, it would, though. Try it would turn off notifications. I don't know. Well, that'll be next week's tip of the week. So good teaser there, Carl. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> so, so, Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer or on my blog at WPDoveGuy.com. Okay. And you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. And Jenny, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Uh, we really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you both. It was a lot of fun. Look forward to seeing you all on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 